Hello and welcome to episode 6 of People of Glasgow. I'm your host and boss drum, Raymond Williams. And in this episode, I talk to James Donnelly, a.k.a. JD. The name's not familiar, but you've been in the East End. You've seen the house covered with drawings of police, mentions of Princess Di and stolen jewels, and you know who I'm talking about. Show notes for this episode are available at peopleofglasgow.co.uk forward slash six. That's the number six, not the word. To suggest a guest or comment on the show, then please email us at poglasgow at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at peopleglasgow. That's peopleglasgow. There's no of in there. And that's that. On to the episode. Shout out to Kirsty and Max. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Okay, so we'll just start, we we'll just go straight in, some details in the raid then, so when did that happen? Uh, what happened to uh, Raymond in uh, 2002, I was working uh, at the antique market, uh, close to the virus, nothing actually to do with the virus, and uh, what happened was my stall was broken into and I lost uh, approximately about uh, £4,500 worth of jewellery, and uh, at the time I reported it to the London Road Police Station. Uh, and uh, I've got the crime report here in the house, you know. But what happened was uh, the police actually got their uh, wires crossed here uh, because uh, what happened was I I'd went l- to look for my jewellery uh, down in a place called Paddy's Market at the time uh, and it was a kind of thieves' den. Uh, if anything was stolen, that was a place to go and look for it. So I went down there and... Uh, I was asking all the guys that don't sell jewellery down there, if anybody sells you any rings or anything. But obviously a lot of these drug addicts and people are hanging about, and I think somebody overheard this, you know. So I was told at a later date, somebody phoned me at the house here uh, a few years after this happened, and told me that a drug addict, uh, he named him, he was uh, paid £250 cash for the false information, uh, leading it to the sets of my house, you know. But uh, when I told the police about this, I wrote to the chief constable, uh, there was nothing done about it, you know. So what actually happened on that day then? Uh, on the day of the house search. Uh, well, what happened, uh, I think it was about, it was quite early, about half nine or something, was a, a loud bang in the door. And uh, my girlfriend Nancy, uh, that old van that's out there, we used to keep uh, three cats, stray cats in it. And uh, believe it or not, it was a fox here with a broken leg. We used to, we, we used to, Nancy, she was an animal lover, and she used to look after the animals, same as myself, we used to feed them, you know. But anyway, this uh, lad's uh, thing where the police come in, and uh, uh, two guys came in the door with plain clothes, and uh, 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 out the door, I said, I want to search these premises. So they never showed me one, they just pushed me out the road. They had a bit of paper in their hand, mind you, you know. And the uh, next thing, they were trooped up the stair. And uh, I was sitting where I'm sitting just now in this bed here, at this side. And uh, two guys come in here, two police officers, and they put Alaman and Ladder up there. And can you see that board that's still pulled pull out? Oh. They, they jammed that out. That's been lying there like, for 16 years. I haven't touched it, you know. And uh, another two cops come in and uh, see that brown door there, Raymond, but there used to be a mirror there about, uh, about six and a half, seven feet tall. But what happened, they had two chrome studs in it and they put this jemmy behind it and the whole mirror exploded. And uh, I collapsed in the bed, uh, landed on the floor here. And the next thing I woke up, there was two paramedics looking out of the top of me. And uh, a chief inspector guy here and two cops here, you know. 
And uh, what had happened was that morning I was ill, I was just recovering from a, a bleeding ulcer, and they actually took me out of my bed to, to search the house, you know. So uh, it took us from there. I'm sorry, Nancy came round to feed the cats, and they, they called her at the door. Uh, and I said, who are you? She says, I'm Jim's friend. What, what's going on here? What's happened to him? Uh, it's just something, there's a problem, and that's it. Uh, so this the chief inspector come down, and they took Nancy round to Nancy's house and searched that. And then they come up here and they got the keys to my, my stall, and they took her down there uh, to my bar stall and searched that. They searched her house without a warrant, then they also searched my, my stall down there without a warrant, you know. And they, they, they come back up here with Nancy, and then they took me and Nancy down to London Road Police Station. And they put on a recorder, and they were asking us all sorts of questions. Hey, have you ever been up in the open and things like that? I said, I mean, Nancy were up there years ago. And hey, what did you do up there and all the rest of it and stuff like that, you know? But what happened, they've actually destroyed these interview tapes, you know? And hey, hey, they, but by the time I got in, I was totally exhausted and totally ill that day. And... When I come in the, the hallway, we just come in there, Raymond, with the bulges, there was dripping, water dripping, and I said, oh God, the bus something. So what happened is, I just got into my bed here when I'm sitting, and uh, the next morning there was a mighty, a mighty crash here, and the, the ceiling here come down, see where this light is? The whole ceiling come right down, and uh, the place was all flooded, and the water would went in. What happened, Raymond? The the water had built in, uh, and uh, what's that stuff called? Jip rock. The water had built up in that during the night, and it bellied uh, with a constant drip. Now, what happened was, when they smashed that mirror there, they did offer me £30 for the mirror, but uh, I tried to explain to them, my whole plumbing system for the whole house is behind that mirror, and what they done was they dislocated a joint up in the attic here, and that's where the water ran all the way down through the house, down to this level here that we're at the now. This is the middle level, you know. And uh, when I came in the door, uh, it was dri- actually dripping uh, as you come in the, the front of the house, like, you know. So that resulted in five ceilings come down, and as we speak just now, that ceiling there's still down underneath that, that temporarily ceiling that somebody put up for me, you know. So uh, basically that, that's what happened that morning, you know. But uh, I've had this uh, 16 years now, uh, Egging round all these lawyers. Uh, the first lawyer I went to, uh, he had me get up and down to his office. A guy called uh, Des Finlayson, his company's franchise Finlayson, 24 St. Nina Square. What he had, he had me and Nancy get up, uh, up and down to his office for about three years. And I met this uh, chap in uh, a girl street one day and he said, GD, uh, he says, How are you getting on with your, uh, that car around your, your house been wrongly searched? I says, I've been. Uh, up and down his lawyer, but he doesn't seem to be doing much. He said, uh, he says to me that he was speaking to the police and the police lawyers, you know. And the chap was speaking to Raymond, he says to me, uh, You better watch, he's not trying to time bar you. No, I never knew anything about time bar, you know. So what happened was, yeah, I went down to see this, this lawyer, and uh, he, he told me he'd lost my case files, and the uh, thing was, so what I'd done was, previous to that, I'd went to another law firm, and I'd asked another law firm, he, he, about this guy, he was messing me about, and, and he, he, was, he wasn't really doing nothing. So what he'd done was he phoned the legal, he, he phoned the legal aid board at Edinburgh, and the legal aid board at Edinburgh told him that he, there had never, ever, ever been any application for legal aid from any law firm for me. 
So what he done was when I went up to his office at the very beginning, and I signed two legal aid forms. So what did he do with them? He must have destroyed them. You know what I mean? That's mental. So the, the damage to the house is really them busting the pipes? Pretty much is what caused the majority of it. That's it. Well, I, I yeah, got two. I got two building terms in. Uh, one quoted ten thousand pounds just for the kitchen, just for this area alone. Uh, that, that's not counting the, the the ceilings that came down later. See, to 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 explain to you, Raymond, right? That roof uh, we were up the stair there a minute ago. That roof goes like that. So what's happened is all that water has run into the the the. The, the chip rot or whatever it is it's up in the roof there and it barely the whole roof so the whole roof collapsed uh, along with the tarmac which is uh, the, the felt which is on top of it you know so what you're looking at you're actually looking at daylight in there uh, and that's how uh, the ice, ice goes inside the house because all the electricity blew in the whole, whole one side of the house and it's still the same in the back I can't use the back end of the house because there was a small fire, one of the thing was wet in the house. Now that's another thing, they opened up every electrical switch, and they bust that, see this door, that's where my meter is, they bust that door off its hinges, and they just left it like that, you know. Uh, I've had to reconstruct the whole place, all this flat floor, and I had to put down it at the time, you know, because all the floor was all ruined, you know. But this floor's it's worn away now, that's, that's 10 years ago or something, you know, 11 years, you know. But basically, uh, uh, I would say uh, to repair it, uh, my neighbours, they, they're all dead, six of them lived, lived across the road there. They told me later on that they, they, they seen the two, the three sorry, three officers up on the roof and what happened was they, they were ripping the tiles off my roof and throwing them onto this roof. So that's how they created the holes in that roof, you know. And uh, my other neighbour, uh, old John, he's dead and all. In fact, the photographs are there, you know. He says to me uh, that they seen two guys out in my hut and they were, they were actually jumping up and down. They were actually jumping up and down. I read old John there, you know. That's his wife. They're, they're, dead, they're long dead now, you know. But they were actually jumping up and down on, on the, my shed out the back there, you know. That was a shed I bought after the Celtic Club across the road there uh, about 15 years ago, you know. And uh, it was brand new when it was put out the back there, you know. And uh, if you look at it, you'll see it's got a, a big, big drap on it, about six inches. So that was where the police uh, uh, been up in it. But as I say, they, they sent this guy up. He was going round with this clipboard, but uh, I got this letter. And the letter's not out and out fried. So what they're doing, they're just, they're just actually covering this up, you know. Just for the listeners, because you mentioned they were asking about Oban. I don't know if we made that clear at the start, but the reason they're asking about Oban is because that's where Princess Di's mum lives. She lived, she lived in Seal Island, I believe, you know, but uh, at the time I didn't know that. But what happened was uh, me and Nancy were up in Oban, uh, I think it was just before this happened, maybe about a year before it happened, and uh, I'm, I'm not too sure that because uh, me and Nancy used to go, uh, we used to go, uh, jump in the bus and we'd go down to Largs and we'd go to Danoon and Salcoats and one time we went to Oban, we went up there with car actually and we stayed overnight but what happened was I bought an art book in a charity shop for 50 pence and this letter fell out it by Princess Diana it's in that case there the letter but it's a photocopy of the letter, I think the, copy, I think the original copy is in my lawyers you know uh, and what happened was uh, in the Barrers market uh, these two guys came into the market one day and 
to put you in the picture, Raymond, see, see the market where I worked, you got a lot of celebrities coming in. Uh, Deborah Harry, I met David Cameron one time uh, through, through the Antique World Draw. And uh, you got a lot of different type of people. This guy came in one day, a big kind of white moustache like mine, but it was the 70s style, you know, the one that goes away down there. And I'm looking at him, and he, he's got a tweed jacket on with leather, leather shoulder pads. So uh, he, he goes in and he, he bypasses my stall and he goes right around the market. And he comes to Willie across the road uh, in, uh, from my stall. And uh, Willie does all these uh, German helmets and award medals and I'm remember Billy, you know. So he's, he's there there, but his pal came over to my stall and uh, he looked at three uh, kind of army medals. He said, can I look at your medals, mate? And I went, aye. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to ask this guy where he comes to. Because I'm thinking, I know this, he's bloated his way out, I know his face. He, he might, he might, I think he's an actor, but I can't remember where I've seen his face from, you know. So I says to the guy, when they bought I brought the medals out, and I went, and oh. I look at him and went, thanks. I said, where are you from yourself, mate? Oh, I love it open, mate. And he said, oh, I said, we were up the other week, me and a girlfriend, you know. So does I know mention this letter to him? And he says, I, I, he says, I, I, I don't live very far from Shankid. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it. So me no thinking. I said, I'll bring it in Saturday if you want. I'll bring it in at the weekend, you know. Aye, okay, he said, bring in an Alba Looker, you know. So uh, the next Saturday I brought the letter in, but it never appeared, you know. So what happened was the following, the following Saturday appeared. And he said, did you bring that letter? I said, I brought it in last Saturday, but you never appeared. So the following weekend, my soul was broken into at the bars. <laughs> so think of that one, you know. But you hear this. So the other guy came out with the white moustache, so he asked the, this is the guy with the tweed jacket with the, the, the leather shoulder pads, he can I look at the medals, mate? I says, I no bother, you know. So I didn't, I didn't ask him where he came from or nothing, you know. So after he left with the other guy, they walked around the market and then he walked, he stopped at a couple of stalls and then he walked out. And one of all his customers came in running out to me, he went, GD, he said, do you know who that was at your stall? And I says, no, is he an actor? And I said, I thought I knew his face. He said, do you remember the Iranian embassy where they slid down the, the thing was and they shot the Iranian guys in Iran? He said, that was a... Uh, Christ, what's his name? I can't, I can't even... He's an SAS man. He says, uh, what was his name? Mad Dog or something, or Mad Mac, Mad Mac or something. He said, that was a guy that shot the Iranians, you know? So what I'd done, I'd been telling his pal about the letter. The Princess Diana letter that I found, you know? So I thought to myself, they might have been looking for that letter. Or these policemen that appeared here, you know. Now, I don't really know how many policemen here uh, came, but I get told by a friend of mine, there was three vans outside the house that morning. Now, they vans had ten people each, uh, ten cops each. So, one guy out there told me, he, he watched it, because they shut the London Road off here at both sides, and they wouldn't let anybody near it, you know. But I don't know if somebody exaggerated, but somebody said they seen them standing out there with guns. And I don't. I, I think that was a bit of exaggeration because I never seen any guns in the house, you know. But what had happened was they wouldn't let the people near. They kept them uh, two to three hundred feet away from the house, you know. But they let all the traffic go down the one side of the London Road here, uh, at the Celtic Club side there, and apparently everybody was rubbernecking to see what was going on here with all the police uh, activity, like you know. But uh, one guy says to me, he said, uh, uh, 
uh, Jimmy, he said, I think there was a bit, yeah, I, I would say about 20, 90, 30 polar, so, you know. So I don't really know Raymond, you know. But there was a lot in here, but they kept they kept me in the one bit here, uh, the house, uh, to, to I ended up uh, going down the, the, the police station with them, like, you know. It's just this something of they've got mixed up with a letter the jewels have gone missing. They've just managed to tie that to you and figured you've hidden jewels in the ceiling or something and just had to raid the house looking for them. No, I think what happened was uh, my jewellery had gone missing for the stall, right? I think they were looking for that letter, but they took the jewellery as a cover-up. I think they were either looking for this letter, but now, the people I know uh, in the jewellery business, and not only that, I know quite a lot of characters too, but if my jewellery was stolen, I would have found out who had took it and where it had been uh, moved on to. Mm-hmm. But it's never appeared anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I get told uh, they were selling some rings and stuff in Paddy's Market, and then I get told uh, some stuff was getting sold in a pub in the East End there, you know. But it, it wasn't any it, it, it wasn't any my stuff, because... The, some of the stuff that I had was, was Victorian jewellery rings and things. Stuff that I used to hire out for props for the BBC, you know, they were doing a show, you know. In fact, I was watching Tiger the other night there, and I said, that's a nice painting. It turned out it was one of mine, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they come up here, the directors come up here, and they were doing a kind of a gangster. And it's the one, the, the Tiger, if you watch the old episodes, it's the one where, he, where the, the guy in the casino's car gets blown up. But in his flat, he's got this big uh, penthouse place, and they asked me to do an Italian uh, kind of Tuscany scene, you know, with the, with the red roofs. And I, I painted this magnificent painting for this uh, for this show, you know. In fact, I think that guy, the, I heard the thing we bought it, uh, that guy, him, him that wears the bonnet and one foot in the grave, I heard he's got it now, you know. But it was quite, it was quite a nice picture. I've got a photograph, it's, I record all my pictures, but I don't know where the hell it is. But, but there are thousands of letters there, as, as you can see. And see the letters there? Uh, that's just this year's. But I'm just pounding my letters now, but for some reason, uh, the, the legal aid's getting back to me now, and I think they're saying to themselves, hey, this guy's no stopping here, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? That kind of leads into my next question, actually. So it's been 16 years now. You've just been pursuing this the whole time. What effect do you think that's had on your health? Oh, terrible. Your physical health and your mental health? Terrible. Terrible. I says to... I wrote to the the Crown Office, and I says to them in one letter, right? I says, what have I got to do here to get justice in Scotland? Uh, I says, have I got to come if I go to commit, come to the Crown Office and set myself on fire, well, they sent two young cops up here. Now, at the time, Raymond, there was no electricity. They came in here with their torches, and you could see they were embarrassed. So one of the wee walkie-talkie thing like you, and uh, uh, James, we've been, up to, we've been sent up here to refer you to the mental health people, you know. And I told them a story. But they, you could see their, their faces were like, you could see they were totally embarrassed, because the place was all... Dust and ribbon, you know, and it was stinking, absolutely stinking with dampness, you know. So what happened was, uh, uh, I had to cover myself there, right? I said myself is not me personally, 
myself as a, as a painting because I knew they would do that, you know. But see, when the mental health people he contacted me, if you look at that painting there, Raymond, put the mic down. See the one with the, cr- with the saxophone in the crown there? If you look to the left, it, have a look through the side, the back of it there. You'll see myself on it. Can you see that? So he gets on his radio and he says to whoever he's talking to, his chief, or his sergeant or whatever, he says, eh, eh, Sir, it's not, it's not actually his self, it's, it's a painting of him. Eh, you get me signing that? I, I say, I'm not signing nothing, you know. But what, what, what I meant, eh, I meant it wasn't eh, actually me, but see when the mental health people contacted me the next day, I told the men and health the story that I'm telling you, and they just well, they just shut case on it. They didn't want anything. To, they didn't want anything to do with it, you know. But you were saying when they is has it affected you, right? I've got an infection in my lungs now, right? And uh, uh, I used to be as fit as a fiddle, you know. I used to do weight training every morning, but see now, it's really affected me badly, you know. And uh, as as I say, I'll read this letter out to you later, right? But. Uh, all my letters, say, I'd say for the last nine years or so now, I'm missing out words and I'm misspelling things. And my grammar wasn't too bad at one time, you know. But it seemed, it's, it's affecting, it's, it's fragmentising my mind, if you know what I mean, you know. I'll get, I'll get an answer, right? A guy passed there about two years ago in a van, Boulder's van. And he, I was painting the mural. I change it every year out there, that mural, you know, to, to get the message out, you know, to people. Because this is the only way I can get the message out. And he shouted, "Are you fucking head case?" And I turned around and I gave him the Vicky, gave him the Victor sign, you know. So see about two weeks after that, I seen the same van turning at the Celtic Club, and he, he comes alongside me. I'm 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 still painting the mirror this time. He, he went, "JD," he says, "Here's my hand, my heart." He, he puts his hand up to shake my hand. This, he says, "I apologise." He says, "I thought you were just some guy that hated the police." I says, "No, not at all. That's not the case, you know." He said, I've spoke to a lot of people that know you, big Alec Morris and the boxing promoting guys like that, you know. He said, I didn't know the full story here. I thought you were just a guy who hated the cops and that. I said, no. I said, I've actually got a lapse in a police mate, but I don't want to mention their names because their jobs would be in jeopardy, you know what I mean, you know. But away he went. But that, that's a that's a factor eh, that people don't know what's going on here, eh, Raymond, you know. And eh, now, this letter here, the five words that I say to you in the letter, it's in that letter I'm going to read out. But what 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 the police complaints commissioner done at the time called the PCC, they left the the five or so very important words out. I made my letter on the eighth of November. They left them out. A commissioner called uh, Jim Martin, uh, and what happened was when I wrote back to the PCC, it turned out it was a new commissioner called. Professor John, John McNeil. So he'd done the same as Jim Martin. He left out the same five words. So see when I wrote to complaint, complaint to the ombudsman, hear this. Guess who your new ombudsman was? Your first PCC commissioner called Jim Martin. <laughs> so if that doesn't do your head, then nothing will, you know. That me and Nancy, the Law Society gave us 12 lawyers, right? And, I mean, we're pensioners, you know what I mean? And I can remember one day doing every lawyers, everyone at the Law Society, they didn't want to know, I'm too busy, 
they didn't want to know the case. But one time we went to Ed- Edrie Raymond, right? We'd done every single lawyer in that wee, that wee tune, right? And we came to the very, very last one. I never looked above the, the lawyers, but I was in. And it was a total blizzard. Uh, we were freezing. And uh, I says to the two girls at the counter, I says, hey, can, can I speak to a lawyer? And she says, what's that about? I says, I told her. But, and she burst out laughing. She says, this is a corporate lawyer. This is no... Uh, this is no an ordinary life. So they gave us a cup of tea, but I was that pleased with the humanity. I went back out the next day and I gave them a wee print of my, my paintings, one of my paintings, like, you know, because they were, they were nice kids, you know. But as I say, I finally got a lawyer uh, through a friend of mine's, and what happened was he had me get up and doing to, for six years, he tried to get me legal aid, but I keep getting blocked all the time with, with the legal aid board. The, the committee will no. I don't know why they're doing this, you know. So I reckon it's, it's, to me it's like a cover up, you know. But as I say to you, the mental health people, uh, the, the chap I spoke to, he, he just gave up. He went, Oh, I'm not touching this. He says, What? what he misses he says, oh, What have done to this guy is no real, you know. You know what I mean? See, if I was a guy, Raymond, that wanted to claim. Uh, money. I've never took a single penny for any write-ups, right? See, see these burns here? Wait, I'll show you these burns. I died in the Royal Family with these burns. And I was brought back, uh, and I remember being in the, the intensive care, right? And I was brought back, uh, I remember the nurse going, Mr. Donnelly, and it was, Donnelly, 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 Donnelly. You see me, you're dying. Did you ever see the James Bond films? You see a barrel and a light. That's what you see when you're falling into that barrel. But see, with her talking to me, I was coming back out it. This is true, you know. Now, if I wanted, I could have claimed all sorts of money through the gas board. But I lost my house at the time. My house burned to the ground. It was a house, a flat head in Rallogan, you know. Now, another time, not long after that, I was never that long out of the, the, the hospital, I think. And I was driving down the Royston Road and I seen smoke belching out of this flat. So I ran up and I banged every door all the way up the close. It was a tenement, you know, both sides. And soon I got to the tap flat, there was an old woman, she was about four feet or something in height. And I was saying, look, the buildings, and there's an MD in there, way. She says, no. I says, I want to get my fur coat. I said, fucking Jesse. So I slung her, I slung her around my shoulder. I was, like, I was a bit fitter then, you know. I threw her around my shoulder and I took her down the stair, you know. But there was a mention in the paper the next day, who was this guy that done this, you know. But I, I never to any credit or thing, I just got on with life and that was it, you know. But as I say, I was badly burnt in that flat in Rollogan and I lost, I lost the, the flat. And the lawyer I went at the time, he, he says to me that the, his client was the guy that owned the flat, so he couldn't go against his client, if you get me, you know. It was crazy, you know. But I've lost all faith in lawyers. Now, last year, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll start from the beginning here, right? Eleven years ago, I pulled Alex Salmon and Nicholas Sturgeon up in the forest, and I told them. Now, I always carried the front page write-ups, which I've never took a penny for, and I showed them, and Alex Salmon says to me, I'll get this sorted. See that man there? He's pointing to John Mason. He's your local MP. We'll get this sorted. Nicola! He shouted Nicholas Sturgeon over. Take this man's name and address. Now, this is in front of a big crowd, and in the middle of the Fors Market, when they were canvassing for the SMP. So, the next day, Nicholas Sturgeon threw a letter around my driveway here, right? Now, 
what happened was uh, she said in the letter thank me for voting SNP, which I, which I didn't do, you know, right? So last year there, uh, this is 2018, 2017, uh, I was getting that frustrated because of what happened to Malassie uh, and stuff like that. She was coming to the gate and she eventually took a drugs overdose and killed herself, right? What, what happened was I went away out to try and find Nicola Surgeon's house. Uh, one of the taxi drivers says to me, she stays up in Broom Hill somewhere, she just got a, bought a big £100,000 house there, you know. So I chaps a door up there, and uh, you any idea where Nicola Sturgeon says there? Uh, no, she slammed the door on me, so I went like that. So when I get back home here, this phone rang. Uh, Mr Donnelly, this is a detective sergeant, uh, Gianelli, Italian sounding there, I can't remember. An inspector so-and-so from Shelton Police Station. Eh, I believe you, you you were looking for Nicholas Sturgeon's house. I says, aye, that's right. Eh, is that not alarming? I says, eh, it, it, it was not alarming eh, when she came to my house for a letter eh, 11 years ago. They thanked me for putting the SNP, so the police couldn't say nothing about that. I just went out. Now, the reason, Raymond, I went to her house was... Her secretary is a guy called Burrow. She's intercepting, he's intercepting my letters with her. But he must be giving her information of what I'm saying in the letters, right? Because I'll tell you the reason I know why. <coughs> I wrote to her uh, previous to that, and I said to her, listen, you're letting all these people into this country, right? A lot of them are coming and they're saying they're, no, they're, they're disc and they're running away from Syria and all the rest of it. And they're coming in here, a lot of them are no identifiable, right? And I says, see this deterrent in the tight world that we live in now, we need this deterrent. She wants rid of the thing we're doing at uh, Fast Lane uh, with the SNP government. And I says, you're still living in the Urwell in the Paul Brown days. Know what she done the next week? She was in the front page, uh, second page of the, the Daily Express, sitting in a bucket reading a Beano. Now, that, that, this is true, by the way, right? And she was, uh, she, she put on the Willie Act. Now, she must have took, she must have picked my, but that was another publicity, something a big eagle. But here's a better one, right? Jimmy Reid, when he died, I went to his funeral, right? Now, I was sitting beside Zarwa. Uh, Ferguson was in front of me, Sturgeon, Alex Salmon, Billy Connolly, all the celebrities were up in front of the church. Now, the chief constable, he was about five inches behind me. He must have been saying, how did he get up beside the family? But Jimmy Reid was a personal friend of mine from the 70s, like, I knew him uh, through the boat, boats and stuff like that, you know. And uh, what happened was that Mr. Sarver, the son sat, uh, no, the son, the father sat beside me. And uh, as the chapel was going out, this journalist lady came out to me, she said, JD, can I speak to you a minute? I found out later she was a local journalist with the government. Uh, govern paper, local govern paper. I said, no, I want to catch this guy. Now, what I wanted, Raymond, I wanted to catch Alex Salmon in front of the world's media because we're all there for, for Jimmy Reid's funeral, right? So what happened was, uh, uh, as the chapel's going out, he gets it, I'm in the middle row, but he comes out the back end of the chapel uh, and he had two big miners. But by this time, I'd come round, I'm out of the chapel and I'm into the, the car park and I see Alex Salmon coming round the corner with his two miners. And I shouts, Alex Salmon, he's waving away like that, right? I says, Alex, 
and he realised it to me, so he pulled his son down, he scurried away with his head down. Same way he done, one time when he got asked to get legal advice for independence, he lied in front of the TV. Did you ever watch that? I, he scurried away and he lied. He would, the, the, the reports were running there after him with the mic, you know. And what I done was that then, Raymond, I showed to do it more. Alex Salmon, now I know what Jimmy Reid meant with these faceless people. And that was that. Do you know what he done the next week? The Daily Express again. Full, a full page. He hired Princess Diana's bodyguard. Now, to me, that looked, to me, that looked as, uh, as though it was to make it look as though I was hassling him, you know. So why did he do that, you know? So he had Mrs. Sturgeon, uh, Reenacting herself for her big eagles as a uh, Wally sitting in the bucket reading the Beano, you know. And then Alex Simmons hired the Princess Diana, a bodyguard, like you know. So, as well as discussing your mental health, what how, what effect did the raid have in your friends and family, and has it affected them? Broke my whole family up. I, I can't accommodate the family. See, my lassie was coming to the gate. Uh, she was climbing out of the gate with the drugs and she threw herself in front of a car one time out there, you know. It's on that letter, I'll read this, this other letter out to you, uh, the letter I wrote to the legal aid t- board here. But I've told Sam and, and everybody uh, that uh, that I spoke to uh, about, about this, uh, carry on, uh, what, what was happening with, with the breakup of the family. And Nancy, uh, there's a photograph of Nancy there, you, you wouldn't recognise her, uh, she's doing a total breakdown. Uh, because the Neds were smashing her windows, shouting out in the street at the two years, where's the crown jewels and all bastard and stuff like that, you know, in the days, you know. But uh, I think it's all changed now because they they, they recognise who, who I'm are like, you know. And uh, you, you don't get anybody touching that boy out there because uh, uh, the locals are against the, the cops, I think, you know. We must be that, you know. I think one, one time somebody damaged a bit of it, but that was it, you know. Obviously, I've brought it up and you're talking about it on, like, an average day. How often would you say you think about it? Is it, so is it constantly? Mind, all the time, constantly. Oh. Uh, I can't I can't paint. Uh, my paintings have gone very, very dark. It's no... Uh, even... Uh, you'll see a lot of skulls in my paintings. Now, that, that's depicting my six witnesses that died at the time. And I showed you one, that one down the stair there. That's the six people. You see the eight or eight skulls in that? And uh, you see the policemen with the big long Pinocchio noses in the law society with the big long noses. Uh, that's to that's coming out in my the anger's coming out at the end of my brush. If you get me, you know. I mean, there's there's the that's a bit the latest one I was working on that Amy Winehouse one there. But uh, I was I was in a better frame of mind when I see again it spells that I'm alright, and again it spells anger when I see. A letter, I've got thousands of letters there. Uh, we are not unable to help you at this, and uh, you'll need to write to this one and that one. I'm back to the, I'm back to the St Andrews Commissioner again for the fifth time, and this is my, this, uh, I've told them in this letter here that I'll read out to you when I feel a bit better. I'll try and find another lawyer. The the, the law society gave me twelve lawyers, and each one of the twelve lawyers knocked me back. Uh, for some reason, they're too busy or they didn't want to get involved in this case, you know. But when I do feel a bit better, I'm going to go for it uh, and get another lawyer, you know. And my only lassie that's alive now, Veronica, uh, she came to the gate there last year and she was crying her eyes out. 
but because I can't have a family life, if you know what I mean. It's it's just, uh, and you see the chain, I lock myself in here every day. And the reason I lock myself in, Raymond, is because uh, the type of high-up people that I'm dealing with. Uh, now, I met David Cameron 18 years ago and uh, over at the BBC in a friend shop, and he gave me his, his card. Uh, it said on it, D. Cameron, House of Commons, and I went, oh, Chris, he must be a big shot. But he wasn't the Prime Minister then. But see, when I get involved in this, I dug, I dug out his card. I've, lo- I've actually lost it now, I can't find it. But I've got the phone, his phone number in my book there. So when I phoned the number, uh, the House of Commons extension, it was disconnected. But see, when I wrote to David Cameron, the letters in that case there, that big case, he sent me a letter back for down the street. He never answered it. This is what you get with Sturgeon and her secretary. That's what it says to you with the letter I took out of her house. Right? So what's happened? You actually never get a letter after them. You always get a letter after their understudy. So it was his secretary, I think his name is she or Brady or something was her name. She wrote back and says uh, it's it's nothing to do with the with the English uh, Parliament. Uh, it's a case for the Scottish Executive, you know. Uh, but they they couldn't help me. I mean, I've got letters. I've got letters there for the House of Lords, Lord McLennan. Uh, sorry to hear the, the bother, but nothing that we can do if you know the laws. I wrote to the European Court, saw the letters that are in there. Uh, you never went through domestic remedies. For 12 years I've been through domestic remedies. I've tried every single thing in the Scottish legal, and I keep getting put on for one another, passed back, pass back to the law society. And if you boil it down to the basic facts, uh, Raymond, the Crown Office should never, ever have ordered a search of this house for one, they had no probable cause right, right No, nothing whatsoever, because they never knew about that later uh, and I, I don't know if they knew about my solving broken into, but they had no probable cause to issue it, now what you've got now you've got the police blaming the Crown Office and the Crown Office blaming the police that's the scenario you've got there now the police, I've ran them into a corner with all their lies, that's how I paint them with the big Pinocchio noises out there, right because for the simple reason, they're trying to keep it undercover now. Now, I wrote to the BBC, I don't know how many times, but the letters there, they, they tell you, uh, we'll hand it to our main office in London and see, but you never hear anything back from them. They never do anything about it. It's just a continual uh, cover-up. Uh, but the police, <coughs> the police, uh, the ones at the top are the ones that's covering this up, and all the ordinary cops, like even the two cops that come up here, they were totally embarrassed and they seen the conditions I was living in. I was a young policeman and a young policewoman. Uh, this is the ones that were sent up with the firm at the, the mental health, you know. But when the mental health guy contacted me the next day, he must have been like, Christ almighty, that would be enough to drive Andy round the bend what this man's went through, you know. You know what I mean, Raymond? So what's, what's kind of different now? Like, Would you say you've made progress? Recently, or do you think you're just kind of going round the same, same well, routes again? Well, I'm probably will be going round the same scenario, right? But when I read that letter to to Wendy, hey, what's her name, Dalkleish, right? She's she's the she's the top lawyer that, that sits on the committee in, in Edinburgh for, to see if you you'll get legal aid or you know get legal aid, right? But in her letter to me. This is it here uh, in March the 16th, 2018. Dear Mr. Donnelly, thank you for your latest letter. 
your latest letter, right? It appears that your letters have been sent to a number of different parties. This is her explaining that she's not been getting them. Now, you know the reason for that, I think, because I've wrote and told them that my lassie killed herself with drugs overdose, and she threw herself in front of a car out there. I think she's saying to herself, this could get me to sack here. Uh, no. It might it might just be my way of thinking, but here, we hear the rhetoric at different parties, right? I wrote to you at some length in 2015, which you did write, to explain the tests which you need to be satisfied in order to, for legal aid to be granted, right? And inviting you to submit a fresh application for legal aid. And if new information which might satisfy the statutory tests... Now, to put in the picture... I've not finished the letter yet, Raymond, right? To put in the picture, me and Nancy were out in blizzards and... I, I was totally ill, uh, going to all these different lawyers. Uh, we went to Hamilton, Motherwell, uh, Coke Bridge, Clydebank, uh, Govan, all these different lawyers that we tried, and we kept getting knocked back, right? Now, it's as though uh, one's telling another, don't take this case on, right? Now, I've checked our records, this is a letter again, right? And cannot see any trace of a fresh application. <laughs> I've been pounding them with letters, right? Right? In the circumstances, there's nothing that I can add to what was said in my previous letter to you. Now, I've got to try and remember that out of the hundreds of letters I've got there. Maybe 200 to 300 letters, right? We remain happy to consider a fresh application if there is new information you would like to consider, us to consider. Right, now I can read, I can read my letter to her. Right, well, the fresh, appli the fresh application I'm going to put in is the fraud letter that the police, the police wrote, you know? Right, so that's going to be that. Yeah, that's their letter. So, what should, what would make you stop? Like, what's your definition of justice? Well, first of all, uh, as I said to the, the young boy who'd done that documentary, first of all, I'd like an apology. I've a police, I've a top police. Now, there was top police, a guy called Mawson. He was supposed to come up here, but he never came up uh, twice. There's a letter there saying he would come up. But he never come. This is about seven years ago. He never appeared, right? This is one with the double braids and the hats, you know. He was supposed to come up and talk to me about it. But I would like uh, the house back to the to where it, the way it is wind tight and watertight. Now, see what I showed you upstairs, all that darkness? See when it rains heavy, Raymond? The water runs down here. You see that electric light there in the middle? That's the fifth light I've renewed in 16 years. Because the water runs along. You'll see the water marks on it just now, right? When it rains heavy... And it, it, it drips onto the cooker here, so I can't get cooking. So all that stuff doing this, uh, the stair air, that uh, I'm going to change that kitchen room a bit and put the cooker air just behind you, out the road, because it's going to end up setting the house on fire. As, as I say, I lost a, a house before with fire, you know. Now, the thing is, my house insurance was Zurich at the time. They wouldn't accept the, the repair the, the damage here now it turns out the police their insurance is the same insurance as I've got it's rich. so whose side did the police go on they went on uh, uh, because Zurich, they were insured by the same insurer so what happened was uh, uh, that obviously cancelled my insurance with Zurich but uh, something I was going to say there I just can't remember now 
Aye, the, the uh, Zurich says to me that the police had the right to be there because they, they had a warrant. Now, so I wrote to Mass for a few freedom of information, a copy of the warrant. They tell me they can't find the warrant now, right? Uh, and I asked them for a copy of the, the uh, mind they took me and Nancy down to London Road Police Station. So I asked them for a copy of the, the tapes, that the, the questions they were asking us down to the police. They actually destroyed them and I said, what are they destroying all my evidence for you, you know? Now, it took me nine years to get this fraud letter after them, but they've made a big mistake here getting me this letter because it, it's actually showing the, the, if I can get this into a court that they're lying, you know. That's how I started shouting at Chris Donald murder trial because it was getting it was getting to the stage I was going, I was going to explode, you know. And uh, I told uh, Chris's mum, I said, I apologize. And she says to me, JD, she says, everybody knows what's going on here, you know. So a lot of people know what's going on because of me, me painting the wall, you know, to let the public know what's going on, you know. Have you had quotes to make it windproof and waterproof? Uh, the first quote I got for that, uh, for the kitchen there alone was, was uh, 10,000. And I got a separate company, uh, 10,500. Now, here's a strange thing. The first guy that came out was a guy from, he was a builder. He owned a restaurant out there, and what he done was, he, he wanted paintings for his restaurant, so I'd done him Mexican, uh, this was through the bars, Raymond. I'd done him all these Mexican paintings, uh, and uh, I went in one day and he was sitting with a lawyer, uh, that I knew, you know. But I'm saying to myself, what I'd done was, I contacted, this is years and years later, I said, he's going to come out and give me another quote on this uh, thing, me. So I'm trying to think if he came out. I can't remember if he came out or not, but he didn't want to know. He didn't want to come out for a certain, uh, for a second, uh, what would you call it, to look at it again, if you know what I mean, you know. But as I say, the house, that roof there, if you look through the back there, Raymond, that's, that's all brand new roof. Ceiling's in there. I've had to do all that out my own pocket. But if you'd come in here, what, nine, <coughs> nine years ago, <coughs> If you'd come in here nine years ago, you would, you would have seen daylight and the roofs were hanging down like that, sogging, rotten with dampness, and all the floors are all like that. You feel them when you walk on them, they're up and down, you know. And, uh, I've had to do all the repairs myself, and all the tiles that they ripped off off the roof up the stair there. Did you look out under the roof there, no? No, no. Yeah, I'll show you when we got before we go away, right? See what's on the wall at the front there? When the European, the, the Commonwealth Games came, I knew there was going to be helicopters and reporters about, so I painted on the roof, but it's all fading off. I, I painted illegal certs by Princess Diana's mum's jewels on it, on it, so it's still on the roof, I don't know, you know. That's to let the people know. But see, when the Queen passed my house that day, she was going down to the games, I was starting to get my baby and here's the Queen come up. You're kidding me. And so I ran out there and more, but she seen me and she went like No, I met the Queen in Windsor Castle years ago when I worked in Windsor Castle and uh, twice I met her, I met her in the chapel when she was looking at her uh, uh, Victoria's coffin. The, the two of them are, they, they've got big coffins in the chapel in Albert, you know, and I was talking away to her for about five minutes, but that's when I worked down there. And the uh, as I say, I used to work in you know, the high society's dogs. I used to do Lord Astor's Great Danes. That was Christine Keeler's fiddle that bit me. Uh, can you remember the perfume affair? Right. Now, somehow or another, I'll say to myself, I wonder if this is any day, but, but I'm only 15 at the time when all this happened. But I used to take Lord Astor's Great Danes up to uh, 
what was that? Was it Chattic House or something? Uh, it was a big uh, estate they had about three hundred rooms, and that guy, him at the lines, he was there. Uh, thing with that's my mate. He bought a line off him, Lou Foley. That's Lou there. He he bought that line off him. See that line there, Lado. He was one of the Queen's guards. I know if you look at that, too. He was one of the Queen's guards. Uh, see, I can't remember his name. That's something talking about in my, my mind being fragment, fragmented, you know. Uh, but I met Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice Davis in the uh, 1960s. Now, the reason for that, I'm, I'm going after the, the, the Crown Jewel story here, but I don't know if you want to hear that. Yeah, go ahead. Right, what happened was, my dad came back to the war, and uh, he came in with balloons and uh, when we were kids, and he burned me with cigarettes and stuff like that. And I was terrified. I, mean, I used to hide out the roads under the bed and all the rest of it when we stayed in the, the, the room and kitchen doing the Carlton. So what happened was uh, uh, my my dad would come in drunk all the time, and I said to my mum one time, "Was was my dad always like that?" And she says, "He came back to that war a different man, son. He, he seen his best pal getting his head blown off, and he was a prisoner of war at Benghazi, and he used to tell me." He told my mother, he's drunk, he's in urine out in the desert. He was a desert rat, if you know what I mean. So he'd done, he, he was a prisoner of war for two and a half years in Benghazi, you know. But what happened was, uh, when he came back, he kind of had a drink. He worked in the D-bins, that's carrying ashes. He used to he used to get paid by the tonnage and the cleansing. And he used to work, and he took a drink. Now, I could, I could see the sense of him taking a drink. But it got to the stage that my ma used to have to capture him at the end of the lane before he spent the, the money on the bookies and, and the baby, you know. So what happened was uh, they had a fight one time. I, I can't remember what it was about, but what happened, my ma left him and she went down to London. This is 1960. So I couldn't stay with my dad. I was, I was actually terrified of him. So what happened was I followed my ma down to London. When I go to the train station in London, I got off at Houston, and uh, it's all guys with bowler hats that we're walking about. Excuse me, I'm too busy. So hit me with his brawling, pushed me out the route. So another one came lying with a bowler hat. Said, Excuse me, can I? No, it's just zigzag to the road. And so it was an Afro-Caribbean guy coming out. I says, Excuse me, yeah, man. I says, e I I'm looking to get to Slough. Yeah, man. See that bus station there? You get in there three miles. Three, four miles, you get the bus, take, take it right. So so when I go to Slough, my mum was working in the Mars Bar Sweetie Factory. But the lady that she knew for Barrafield, when you could have ate your breakfast off of Barrafield in, in the 60s, 50s and 60s, she uh, had married this Englishman and they lived in the Britwell Estate. Now, to put you in the, the picture, the Britwell Estate in London was all the Cockney people that moved out. Oh, they, had, they were tough a lot. It was a bit like the Black Hills scheme for for Glasgow here, it was a right tough place, you know. And uh, what had happened was, uh, my ma's friend, Wilma Greer, she couldn't accommodate me because my ma was only staying in the one room. And what happened was, Wilma Greer's man knew this Miss Vine. Now, Miss Vine was in her 80s at the time, and she had these kennels, and I used to, I got a job in there, uh, £5 a week, and this is how I met Christine Keeler. Mandy Rice Davis, Sidney James in the Carry On films. He used to be a wee Scotch terror. He actually gave me a 10 bob note. My wages were only about £2 a week then, you know. So they worked up to a fiver, you know. But I met all these type of people. Uh, Lord Astor, I used to take, I used to work 
took me 20 minutes to walk up the driveway to this this big 300 room mansion and the butler would take the, the dogs off you, you wouldn't get a tip or nothing off of him you know but uh, as I say, this is how I get involved with all these people you know, but I, I remember one thing I was coming back for uh, the feathers, I think it was the pub the, just, I didn't drink, I was only a kid then I was only 15 and I shouldn't have even been doing the London or working at the time but what happened was I used to live in a wee caravan outside the thing. So I'm going down the road one night and I heard this motorbike chugging along. I always remember it was a Norton, a silver tank, and it spun round. And this guy was like a teddy boy with the big sideboards and the big chain the, and that kind of hat that goes like, you know, that they used to wear in the 60s, right? And a Marlon Brando hat. And he went, where are you going? I said, what business is it yours? I was quite streetwise for, for my age, you know. He said, what are you doing down here? I said, I'm going down to the kennels. Who do you know down there? I said, I work in there. All right. What's the lady's name? I said, Miss Fine. Okay, and he rode away in his bike, you know. So a couple of nights later, I'm up at the, the pub, the Ferrers, and, and I says to the Celestia Marie, I think she was a waitress. I can't really remember because it's that long ago, Raymond. I says, this Celestia was asked, I was telling about the teddy boy that pulled me up on the motorbike last night, and he Thing me. That Dr. Ward was sitting there sketching away in a pad. That was something that involved me before my fair. There used to be tables outside these pubs. This is long before they started doing it here, you know. So what happened was uh, uh, Marie says, Oh, Jock, she says, that's the local MI5 guy. But I didn't know that Harold Wilson and where I was living, all the, all the high society ex-prime ministers, they were all living there. And what he done was he drove around all night. He was just... <laughs> This is true, Raymond. This was, and she told me, she said, Teddy Boy's the MI5 guy, he drives around the motorbike. <laughs> and he's obviously gone like, what are you doing up in this thing? Now, to put you in a picture, see, the, these woods, uh, this is where they made all the Hara House of Horror films. And see, when you get into it at night, and if you light a match, all you see is all the, the bats, and millions of them. If you light a match or something, they just. Thing they flutter all about. It's a creepy, it's a creepy place, you know. But uh, what happened is my my mum reconciled with my dad. She come back up to Glasgow, you know, and uh, thing made up there, you know. But how I met Lou Foley, uh, that's that. You could write, I could write a book on that. It's unbelievable. Uh, the people I met through that guy, uh, he knew everybody. He built the bull ring in Birmingham, and he introduced me to. Uh, Guys that you would never ever Mick Jagger and people like guys you'd never even think of, of, of talking to in, in life, you know. Uh, he knew just about everybody. Uh, he knew the the guy that ran Birmingham. He was the kind of guy that he was a bit like the Arthur Thomas in the Glasgow here, Don Futro, and uh, he had bought Pollyanna's discotheque and Barbarellas in the days, you know. And uh, we went up one night and had the Moss Brothers suit on with the with the dicky and stuff like you know. And he's got me up in his wall beside George Raft and the craze and he was he was just infatuated with people that were different. But to put you in a picture, who is a spitting image is do you ever watch that advert on the telly? Go compare. Go compare ah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a ringer for him. He's got the same moustache and the wavy hair, you know. He's a pure he's a pure Italian, you know. But uh, oh, a lo- lovely guy, I I thought, you know, but as I say, 
when I met Lou, Lou was a character. He he was a, you'll need to look him up on the internet. But he opened up a refuge called the Princess Diana Refuge. But I'd I'd uh, I'd moved away for that period of time. He he'd be a lot older. In fact, he died he died at seventy, I think. But I'd 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 moved back up to, to Scotland, and the, I wasn't working for Lou anymore. Like you know, but basically that's it. Uh, so if we can just wrap up here so you can get to reading your letter. An apology, windproof and waterproof. Be happy with that. If you don't get that, do you ever see yourself stopping? No, I'll, I'll not stop with what they've done to me, Raymond, you know. Uh, I, I believe in fairness and, and a just society. Uh, and I don't like the way, see the way the world's going now. I just don't like it. Uh, uh, especially... Yeah, the care in Syria, all the kids getting thing there. You'll see that painting there. It says that painting there. Put put an end to this. And that 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 horrified me when I seen that kid getting pouted at this, and they just threw him into that Amazon that red chair. You know, it couldn't be any any more telling. And I done that in about an hour. That painting there. But uh, I don't. People don't think the way I think now. You know, it's uh, to me, uh, life's not got any value. You know, and uh, as I say. It's, Sturgeon, they're letting all these people into the country and they're no vetting them or nothing. And they, I don't know if you see, did you see the bumblebee I painted out in the ball for the Manchester kids? I it's in the water, you know. But yeah, that's what I do. Uh, and all I do now is I sit in here uh, and the uh, people that have rough deals. I'll give you an instance, right? Uh, Chris Donald was murdered. I painted the portrait and I gave it to her ma. Uh, we, Andrew Morton, the wee boy was murdered uh, by the air gun maniac. I, I gave the portrait to that family. The wee Lennon, that was a wee boy that was knocked in there about two years ago with a van up and toll cross. I gave that to the family. Uh, uh, every uh, the couple that were killed in the motor, the photographs are there. I always keep the uh, record of them. That couple that were killed and lay in their car for three days. Uh, I gave the the the, the painting to, to the dad. Uh, and there's some team. Uh, the things that I've done, uh, that's how I do and I just lock myself in and anybody that's had a bad deal uh, I'll, uh, I'll give something to the family, you know, know what I mean but uh, but I think uh, some people do get a lot of real, real rough deals in this life and I, I hate to see anything that happens to kids, innocent kids getting destroyed like, you know, and I blame politicians uh, and guys like Putin and Blair you know, I, I blame them for the, the creation in society. Now, the other thing that came out there, uh, I was watching the telly, I think it was last Wednesday. Uh, Churchill, now, I've never rated Churchill. They make him out the big hero and that, but to me, he was an alcoholic and he was a womanizer. I mean, Clementine wasn't his only bit, only bit of stuff, you know. But what he done was, during the week that came out after, they let all these secrets out after 30 years, right? Now, how did they know let them out at the beginning? This is where they wait for me to kick a bucket here, you know. <laughs> so what happened was he had information through the Secret Service, uh, the MI6, that they were going to bomb Pearl Harbour. Now, what he'd done, he withheld that information, right, so as he could bring America into war to help us win the war against the Germans. Now, all the, all the American soldiers get killed. Now, it was the same with Blair. He said that... Uh, 
that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. It turned out they never had any weapons of mass destruction. And that guy, Kelly, that went missing, you know, they get murdered. Like, I think they get murdered, but try to say he committed suicide, you know. This is how I look myself in the gate. And one of the reasons if I day go, I take my big stick with me. I've got a big walking stick, you know. Because it, it, I know the type of people I'm dealing with because uh, my Lord Aston, uh, my Christine Keeler days, you know, and that's at 15. Uh, I kind of was weighing the situation up with these type of people then, you know. As I say, uh, I've met a lot of these type of people here, and, uh, and I think they're, a lot of them, to me, they're not like human, if you know what I mean. They're just, they're just, uh, there's pure evil in them, and they're not really. Thing. I'm the type of guy, see if I go and I pass by somebody in the walkway, how you doing? I always say hello and and if they want to have a chat, I'll have a chat, but, but you don't seem to get that now, Raymond. People seem to bypass one another, you know. You've not got that. Uh, it's like years ago when we stayed in the car, you could leave your door open, but now you can't, because it's all run down with drugs. And it's partly today with the way society's gone, I think, you know. You know what I mean? Um, so, if there is anyone looking to get in touch or looking to help you out, what would you suggest to do, if anything? See, if if any of these people I'm writing to here, right, I'm back at the commission at St Andrews now, I think this is my fifth time, if they can't help you, but they'll tell you in their letters, there's nothing that we can really do against the, the police. So what's actually happened, the, the police of this country are actually policing the the country, if you know what I mean. You're not getting, you're not getting your case looked into. Now, I've written this letter here. See if I could get half an hour in court. I could get this sorted out. Now, I'm not saying I've been an angel all my life, right? I was When I was 15, uh, uh, 16, I, I started taking motorcycles. Actually, that guy pumped me up the MI5. When I said that, that put me in the, the motorbike mode. I, oh, I like that. I'm like, but what I used to do is I used to uh, take bikes. In the days, there were motorbikes lying about. I was James Caps. There were only wee bikes, 125s, and Tiger Cubs. You could start them with a, a wee nail, and that was it. And I used to, when they ran out of juice, I used to pull them up and stand and leave them, that was it. But nowadays, if some of the kid pinches some joyrides, they smash it up, or they blow it up and they set it fire. But all I'd done was that. Now, what happened was, in the days, I got my poor school two years for taking a, taking a, a t- in fact, it was a Triumph Tiger cover, I took the tune, and uh, I ended up, uh, I get uh, locked up for it. And uh, I got my boss off for the same blooming thing, uh, pinching motorbikes, but what the government should have realised in those days, I wanted to be a mechanic and I was always involved at looking at engines and bikes and stripping things down and building things up but surely somebody in society could have seen oh this guy is good at doing this, why don't we sort of be workshop and give him an apprenticeship but he didn't didn't have nothing like that, you know now here's the thing Uh, Sturgeon Last week, she came away with a smart... I had to write... It's in the letters are there, right? I had to write to her. She said... They're running about all the, the people coming into the country. She said, we're looking for the best of talent to come into this country. So I sent her... See that picture of my sister Eileen? Up there? On that big picture there? That's the front of LP. Now, that's in the Grand Old Opera in America, right? Uh, where she was singing... But her friend that died last week, Ken Dodd, my used to go down to Ken Dodd's house at Naughty Ash, and they would have their lunch down there. 
but our Eileen, she, uh, she 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 was a good kid when we were young. Uh, or ten, I think at the time. I said, "Stand, well, we're going to get with Harley." And so I dressed up as Al Jolson. So we went into the town, and I had a top hat and a cane, and there was a dicky boy in a black face. So what happened was, uh, we'd made about one and thruppence. That's one shilling and three pence. Going down all the Gallagher, all the pubs in London Road. And I says, Mom, we're getting into it. And she was like, no, my mum will kill us. And I said, Mom. So I goes in, and there was a hotel room. And, and I'm looking in the, the thing there. And it's like a passage, a long, long passage. And I could see a guy on a double bass. And a guy with a trombone. And a guy on the drums. And another guy playing a saxophone. Mom, we're getting in. She's dragging me. I'm saying, Mom, we're I said, I'll get in first. And then you fall out. She says, all right. So I went in with the, the top part. And I'm getting it. Uh, the Frankie Vaughan's uh, song at the time. Uh, it's called "What Do You Want to Make Us." Now I don't know if you knew about Frankie Vaughan, but he was, was a very, he was a quite a tall guy. But I'm only a wee short, dumpy ten-year-old, right? And Frankie Vaughan used to get in and kick his feet like that, you know. So I goes in and I've got my sister and I talk like going, "What do you want to make us eyes at me for?" And the next thing MC went, "Get him to fuck out of here." About 200 people and all that, they went, oh, let them come back in. So I'd done a couple of songs on the stage that we were Eileen. See that top part? We couldn't carry him. See, I get him, my, I mean, we're talking about, we, we, didn't, we couldn't even afford a pair of shoes. So I turned it upside down, and I must have been about 26 to 30 quid, and that was a lot of money. I mean, a week's wages then was about £3, £5 was a working wage then. And my mum went, how did you get that money? I said, I'm in a big kind of dance hall place and the, there was there was a big audience. I said, there was a guy trying to throw us out. <laughs> that's what that's what got my sister into the singing. And that's how she she's done she's done Blackpool. She knows Ken Ken Doddit died last week. In fact my mum used to go down to Naughty Ash for her lunch down there, you know. But she was always asking me to come down to uh, for for years like, you know, down to Liverpool but I was always up here doing something like, you know, trying to survive, you know. Uh, but that's that's that side and that's the Lou Foley side, you know. You could write a good you could write a bestseller here by the way. If I knew somebody that could I'd put it all together, but uh, my friends in New Zealand they say to me, J D see if you write a seller. Even Sean Sean Connery, uh, I think it's a lookalike for Edinburgh. He said on the internet, he said, "Gee, you, you're the salt of the earth, wee man." He said, "I hope, I hope you get this sorted out one day." He said, well, "It's terrible what they're doing to you." That's that's comments for. That's a guy that runs real faces. He's a Sean Connery lookalike. He's got a company in Edinburgh, you know. And uh, my friends in the uh, they're multi-millionaires. They've got a big boat in the harbour at uh, uh, Australia. They said, "Gee, you should be paying a book." I've started to write a book, but I'll never, I'll never get it done. It's up there. He says. You'll need to pass it through us and we'll put it through the back door in America because the British establishment will put the blockers on it. I mean, the remaining 12 minutes of this episode are of JD reading out his letter, so I just thought I'd put the outro here. Thanks as always for listening, and please check out peopleofglasgow.co.uk. Thank you. So, do you want me to read the latest letter here, eh? I would say if you could just remind us who it's to, and then yeah, just go ahead. Uh, this is a, this is another letter to the legal aid board. Uh, I brought back to them. Uh, this is in 2018, the 22nd of March. Uh, now the reason I brought back is 
have been constantly refused legal aid now, but they can give all these murderers and terrorists legal aid, right? So I've wrote this uh, letter out here uh, to explain uh, what's been going on and how I've tried and tried and tried and tried the all these different government agencies and I keep coming back I'm back to where I started again. Uh, 16 years of writing back for Now here's a letter. This is to the woman called uh, Wendy Dugleish. Uh, she's uh, one of the lawyers that sits on the committee uh, at the Legal Aid Board at Edinburgh uh, to see if you're eligible for legal aid and there's, there's rules and regulations how you can get it and how you can't get it according to her, you know. Uh, dear Wendy, I received your letter today, March the 22nd, uh, 2018. I'm now in bad health with the stress of this case and the hell that I, I've had over the last 16 years trying to get this wrongdoing by the Crown Office and the police sorted out. Uh, inverted commas, this is large letters, for wrongly and illegally searching my house for Princess Diana's mum's jewels. Now, I have been telling you and all the other agencies for the last 15 years or so, I have done nothing wrong here. Now, Wendy, I've already wrote to your office time and time again telling you that my stall where I worked at the time near the Barra's Market, Glasgow, inverted commas again, nothing to do with the Barra's Market, inverted comma, was broken into. At the same time Princess Diana's mum's house was broken into, she lost her jewels at the same time as I lost my jewels. Inverted commas again. The crime reports in this letter. Inverted comma. Now, I have been racking my brains. Inverted commas. What's left of them? Inverted comma. Trying to find out why the police in the Crown Office done this to me. I know they got the wrong information and they was told that they paid a drug addict £250 cash for the false information leading to a legal search of my home where they done thousands of pounds worth of damage by flooding my house, resulting in five of my ceilings coming down, and are still down 16 years later as I write this letter to you. Now, the other thing I thought of at the time, they may have been looking for a letter I found in a charity shop up in Oban by Princess Diana in an old art book that I bought. Another thing that happened at the market years ago when, a man, when the man in the next stall asked me to look after the stall, he had two antique clocks, and the police came in with the owner, and I told them that it did not belong to me, so that got sorted out. Now, Wendy, I have five briefcases busting at the seams trying to get it sorted. I am overrun with rats and mice and snails crawling up the walls inside the house. I am now confined to one room, and my girl who killed herself came to my house one day. She threw herself in front of a car just outside my front gate. And the police were called to take her away, screaming her head off. Now, she ended up in the street selling herself for heroin, and I could not accommodate her or any of my family in this house. Now, my stepdaughter also killed herself at 17 years of age, so I am totally ill with this. I now have an infection in my lungs with having to breathe in this dust and dampness for all these years. Now, I asked the police to come and look at this damage in February 2003. They sent up an inspector, Kenny O'Neill, to my house to look at the damage. Now, he was going around the house with me and I was showing him the damage that was done by the police by pulling panels off my walls. Photo in this letter, inverted commas. Now, what happened when he, he, he was there for approximately an hour and he says to me, Mr. Donnelly, will you sign this letter? Uh, a letter that he had attached to his clipboard. 
I told him I'm not signing in, so he, he, he was just about to leave when I asked him, what will the outcome of this be? He says to me, my boss will be in contact with, with you. So I asked, what's his name? He told me Mr. Armstrong. So after about a year, I never had any word from Mr. Armstrong. So I wrote to London Road Police Station, and then I wrote to Shettleson Police Station, and then I wrote to Pitt Street Police Station. And they told me in a letter that I had written a letter saying that I had dropped my allegations against the police. It took me nine years to get a copy of the letter, inverted commas, the letters enclosed in this letter. <coughs> now, <coughs> now, this letter, Wendy, is not what Mr. O'Neill had on his clipboard. And when I read it, it's an out-and-out -out fraud. Now, if you put this letter against the police's letter, you can see that the police are lying through their teeth here. So, Wendy, I started to paint my wall at the house to let the public know what's going on here. Now, I have been trying to contact Kate Frame at the Police Investigation Review Commission. She won't answer any correspondence to do with this case, as two of her police... CC commissioners at the time covered up this letter by the police by leaving out five very important words in this letter. These words, inverted commas, in, in big letters. I made in my letter on 8th of November 2002, inverted comma. Now, what these two police complaints commissioners done here was covered this up for the police. So, if you read these words, Wendy, how would it be possible for me to write out a letter on the 8th of November 2002 when that was the day that my house was wrongly and inverted commas illegally searched? Now, Wendy, I, when I say illegal, uh, illegally searched, the police tell me with years of writing to them from freedom of information requests that they can't find any warrant. And they also tell me that they destroyed the police interview tapes Inverted commas. Something not right here, Wendy, don't you think? Inverted comma. Now, when I wrote to the Ombudsman to complain about the Commissioner, Jim Martin and John McNeil, the two of them leaving out these five or so very important words, it only turned, turned out that your new Ombudsman was only your first PCC Commissioner, Jim Martin. So when I wrote to Alex Salmon to, and Kenny McCastle to complain, eh, but fell in deaf ears, now, a friend in Edinburgh in high places who also know you, Wendy, and I used to visit Sheena McDonald's house in Edinburgh years ago. There's a lot of people talking about this wrongdoing. Now, if the police have fixed this damage way back then, I'd not be in the condition that I'm in at present, and my girls would still be alive, not in the streets. Now, if you look at the photograph I sent you of Nancy Penny, she was my friend for 14 years. This is a before and after picture. The police searched her house that morning in Verticomers without a warrant. Uh, and then they took her down to my market stall and also searched that inverted commas again without a warrant. So after the police got Nancy involved in this, she was getting her window smashed with an edge shouting at her in the street, inverted commas, where's those crown jewels, an old bastard. So as you can see by the photo, she's took a breakdown and her 14 years came, came to an end, inverted commas, shame on you's. Now, before I sign off, the last lawyer that I was with gave up to trying to get me legal aid after six years, and I believe he was getting paid out the public's posture in that time. Now, when, when the, everyone that I have been dealing with in this case have all retired after taking money from the public first here. <coughs>
Now, if I could just start to get this into a court of law here, I could have this sorted out in just half an hour and can prove that the police made a big blunder here. Now, as far as I know, the Crown Office, a big letters, inverted covers, had no probable cause, inverted cover, to order the search of my house. But somehow or other, they have no record of my house ever being searched, or even though it was front page news at the time. Yeah, inverted commas again. Well, incidentally, I have never took a single penny for any of these write-ups in the newspapers. Inverted comma. So I'm all, all I'm looking for here is justice. But that seems strange, a strange word in Scotland's just, justice system. But as I said to you in my letter before, Wendy, they can give Abu Hamra and monsters like Beggs at legal aid, but keep on refusing me for a wrongdoing that has destroyed my family and my life. So the new evidence this time in this letter is this letter that the police wrote. That way I make this into a court of law and get my house fixed. Now I told you that I was locked up for contempt of court at the High Court in the Chris Donald murder trial. So all the legal people know of what's going on here. Before I sign off, Wendy here, my only girl that I have left of my home family came to my gate crying her eyes out. Yeah. Inverted commas, as I locked myself in. She was distraught, and I told her I only have the one room in this house that is livable, and even now I can hardly breathe with the infection I have in my lungs. So if you and your so-called justice system had acted <coughs> when I first asked you to, I would not be writing back again to you. So when I feel a bit better, I will go to try and find another lawyer. If your so-called justice system had acted when I first asked you to, I would not be writing back to you again. So when I feel a bit better, I'll go and try and find another lawyer. Inverted commas, big letters. Oh, one more thing, Wendy. The Law Society of Scotland gave me the names of about 12 or so lawyers. So when I contacted them way back then, me and Nancy, the two of us walking in blizzards through the snow, freezing one time in Erdry, we had done every lawyer in the town with no help and we came to the very last one just outside the town and we went in, the two young girls at the counter, one of them came over and asked us, uh, inverted commas, could I help you? She, I asked to see a lawyer about his house and she burst out laughing. She said, this is a corporate lawyer for big companies, so the girls made me and Nancy a cup of tea. So that was, I was that pleased with uh, at least there were some good human beings about. I went out the next day and gave them a, a print of one of my paintings for their office and the lawyers and the law society gave us uh, not one of us wanted to know. Uh, hope to hear from you soon, Wendy. You're sincerely Jim Donnelly, you know. And uh, I've told her to check in that letter the, the, the false uh, postal address on the, the the fraud letter, you know. Basically, that's it, right, Raymond? Yep, that's a good place to wrap up, JD. So, thank yeah. you very much. No bother, mate.